Turn your Bibles. We're going to start in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 43, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And as you're turning there, a man let his brother name his twins. He had a twin son and daughter, and he decided to let his brother name his twins. Everything was fine with his daughter. He named her Denise. But he couldn't forgive him for naming his son the nephew. Denise and the nephew. Some of you got it and others. Amen. Last week we began to study one of the most important concepts of Christianity, and that is forgiveness. One of the most important concepts within Christianity. And we're talking about complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness the way God intends us to forgive. That means that we call upon the Lord to let that one, that person that hurt us, we call upon the Lord to let them completely off the hook. Not only do we call upon the Lord to let that person off the hook, But we also pray and ask that God will bless them. That is exactly what God instructs us. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So why? Why do we need to offer complete forgiveness? Because that's exactly what we want from God, isn't it? That's exactly how we want God to forgive us. We want him to wipe away our slate. We want him to uh, completely set us free. And we also want him to bless us, don't we? That's the kind of forgiveness we want from God. Therefore, that's the forgiveness that God wants from us, that God expects from us as his children. Complete forgiveness, God's way. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, as Christians, as the child of God, holy and beloved, we are to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So now that we, we've laid the foundation for what forgiveness, true forgiveness, godly forgiveness, complete forgiveness. Now that we've laid that foundation for what complete forgiveness is, we need to consider what complete forgiveness is not. Because there's a lot of confusion There's a lot of things that forgiveness is, and there's a lot of things that forgiveness is not. First and foremost, forgiveness is not approval 
of what that person did. Amen? It's not approval. God never approves of sin, and neither should we. Amen? When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God, you know, we read in the book of Genesis that God was angry at that sin. Amen? But he still clothed them with animal skins to cover them, didn't he? And that act of mercy shows that he had forgiven them. He forgave them, but he didn't approve of their sin. And those animal skins, we need to understand that that represents the sacrifice that Jesus made for us as he shed his precious blood to cover our sins. That was a foreshadow of the precious blood of Christ. Those animal skins covered Adam and Eve, covered their sin, and the blood of Christ covers our sins. We think in John chapter 8, we read of the account how uh, the, the, the priests and the Pharisees and the elders of the church brought a woman who was caught in adultery before Christ. Amen? Jesus forgave that woman who committed adultery. However, he clearly did not approve of her sin. Amen? In John chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. God does not approve of sin back then, and he still does not approve of sin today. Amen? In the 130 Psalm, verse 4, says, But there is forgiveness with you, Lord, that you may be feared. Amen? That you may be feared. We have to maintain a very healthy respect, a very healthy fear of God's forgiveness balanced with his justice. Amen? We have to understand and have a healthy balance understanding God's justice and his forgiveness. He offers forgiveness without approving of sin. And that's exactly the same way we have to do it. Amen? Second thing that complete forgiveness is not, it's not excusing what that person has done. We can never justify our own sins, and we can certainly not cover the sins of someone else. Amen? Does that make sense? Circumstances and, and situations are never a valid excuse for someone's sinful or bad behavior. Amen? Circumstances and situations are never an excuse for someone's bad behavior. Absolutely, we need to understand their situation, but we can never excuse the bad behavior, the, the sinful behavior. Turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Book of Numbers, chapter 14. In the book of Numbers, we read how Moses, as he led the Israelites through the desert on the way to the promised land of Canaan, he was troubled constantly by the children of Israel's complaining. Day and night, we read how they complained about this, how they complained about that. You know, you led us out of uh, Egypt just for us to starve out in the desert or, or to die of thirst. And they were constantly complaining. So we read how Moses calls upon the Lord for help. Pick up in verse 11, Numbers 14, verse 11. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them. I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Bottom line, the Lord was telling Moses, look, you're right. That is one sorry, miserable, ungrateful people. I should just wipe them out and start all over and give you a whole different nation for you to lead. What did Moses do? He immediately rejects God's offer to wipe them out, and he begins to make intercession for the people. Pick up in verse 13. And Moses said to the Lord, But Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it. For by your might you brought those people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, the Lord, are among these people, that you, the Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And Moses goes on and on. And in verse 18 he says, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but, here's the key, but he by no means clears the guilty. He by no means clears the guilty. In all that prayer of intercession that Moses made for the children of Israel, not once did he offer an excuse for their bad behavior, for their sinful behavior. Instead, he, uh, he, he pleads for God's mercy. He comes out and says in verse 18 that God by no means clears the guilty. Amen? Instead, he pleads to his mercy. And what does God do? God forgives them. Amen? Third thing that forgiveness is not, it's also not justifying what that person has done to you. Now, this is a major problem within our society today. Now, we have to understand that justify, that means you're making something right. To justify something, you're making it right. You're making it just. And evil or sin can never be made right. Sin can never be justified. Amen? God will never, ever call sin right. Amen? And that means neither should we. Period. When Moses prayed here in Numbers 14, he never even offered a hint of justification for how they acted. He simply called on God to forgive their sins. Amen? He flat admitted that they were sinning against God, and he called for God to forgive their sins. And we have to be careful not to fall in that snare, to make what is right wrong and what is wrong right. We can't try to justify and say, well, what they did, you know, uh, it, it, was, it was kind of right. They were justified in doing it. Sin can never be justified, 
All we can do is offer up excuses. Amen? Plain and simple. Another thing that complete forgiveness is not, it's not pardoning what that person did either. What does it mean to pardon? We hear that word a lot, but what does pardon really mean? Well, pardon means to legally release an offender from the consequences of their actions. Amen? That means to release the offender from the consequences of what they did. This is why we never ask to pardon a guilty sex offender or a child abuser. They have to face the consequences, pay their debt, and be removed from society so that they don't harm and hurt anyone else. Amen? Many struggle with understanding the the distinct difference between forgiveness and no consequences. A lot of people believe in your mind when you forgive someone, you're releasing them from their consequences, and that is not correct. Amen? I always give this example. If I decide to go up on top of a 100-story building, and for some reason I decide to jump over uh, off that building, off that rooftop, 100, 100 stories high, halfway down I realize I made a big mistake, and I'm going to pray and ask God to forgive me. Is God going to forgive me if I'm sincere? Sure he will. Is that going to stop me from hitting the bottom? Absolutely not. So there's a difference between forgiveness and no consequences. Amen? Forgiveness does not mean that there are no consequences to be paid for that sin that was committed. Think back about King David in the Old Testament. He was forgiven. He, he sincerely went before the Lord, confessed his sins of adultery and murder, And God forgave him of those sins, but what happened? David also suffered enormous consequences for those sins. He had a a civil war within his own family, his own children killing each other. His young child uh, uh, died, his, his baby, with Bathsheba. Our sinful actions will have consequences that we have to suffer, but also those closest to us may also suffer. Amen? We have to understand that. What else is complete forgiveness not? Complete forgiveness is also not reconciliation. This is something we as Christians, we struggle with. We believe that once we forgive somebody, we must reconcile with that person. That's not always the case. Amen? Reconciliation means that it requires both sides to come together. Amen? Everybody understand that? Reconciliation requires both sides to agree to come together. Think about this. The one who hurt you and that you forgave may not want to see or talk to you again. Or vice versa, you may not want to see or talk to that person that you're forgiving. Reconciliation is more for, you know, restoration after a quarrel, after an argument. For example, if a husband and wife were arguing and they uh, uh, entered into complete forgiveness with one another, they do what? They reconcile. Amen? Once complete forgiveness happens between them, they agree to reconcile. However... If that spouse was unfaithful and slept with your best friend, 
that friendship, needless to say, will never be the same, will it? Between you and that friend. That relationship will never be the same even after complete forgiveness is offered. Ideally, absolutely, it's a wonderful thing when a relationship can be restored. But both sides must be willing. Bottom line, it is possible to offer complete forgiveness to an offender, to that person that hurt us, to let them off the hook, to hold no grudges against them, and yet not have reconciliation. For example, we talked about an abuser. If someone physically abuses you as a child, you can come to that point where you completely forgive them, but it doesn't mean you have to reconcile with that abuser. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Skip down to verse 19. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, we've probably read that verse many, many times, but there's something I want you to catch there in the last part of verse 20. It says that we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Did you ever notice that was a commandment? That we're being told to reconcile to God. Why? Why are we commanded to be reconciled to God? Because what does reconcile require? How many sides? It requires both sides. We know that Jesus died for every single sinner. Amen? God desires to be reconciled. But what does reconciliation require? Both sides. That's only one side of the equation. That's why God implores us. Jesus died for every single sinner. However, not every single sinner will be saved. Why? Because they must choose to receive Christ as Lord and Savior and be reconciled back to God. Amen. That's exactly why we see this verse. God implores us in Christ to be reconciled back to him. Amen. He's 100% willing for all, but we must choose to come to Christ, receive him as our Lord and Savior, and be reconciled back to God. Amen. What else is complete forgiveness? Complete forgiveness is also not denying what the person did. Amen. To deny or repress the fact that an offense took place is mostly an unconscious act. We hear about people who, who suffered um, you know, massive uh, 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 issues when they were young, and they've repressed those feelings. They've repressed their emotions. They repressed the fact that it, the action even happened, the situation even happened. That's mainly an unconscious act. 
And many people, uh, for many reasons, live in denial. That is, they refuse to admit, they refuse to come to terms with the reality of that horrible situation that they endured. Amen? Now, it's painful at times to face facts. And denial can seem, you know, like the, the easiest way out. But repression, we have to understand that repression will always have a negative con- uh, consequence on our, cell, or on our psychological well-being. Amen? Many times, as I said, it's involuntary. You know, it happens on the unconscious level. And that occurs when the pain is too great to bear on the conscious level. But repression cannot and will not remove the wound. No matter how far down we try to push that pain, no matter how much we try to forget about it, it will always come out, it will always surface in one way or another. It can surface as high blood pressure, it can surface as anxiety disorders, irritability. Many people have even suffered heart attacks trying to repress something uh, terrible that's happened to them. Many victims of horrible crimes repress the memory of the entire event. Their conscious mind just cannot accept that a, that a parent or, or a relative or a, or a good friend would do such a thing to them. So they repress that unconsciously, and they often live many, many years in complete denial. We have to understand that true forgiveness, forgiveness the way God intends it, complete forgiveness can only come after we have come to terms with reality. When we completely admit this person absolutely did or said what they did to me. We can't deny it. We can't repress it. Forgiveness cannot occur with denial. Now, closely related to that is that complete forgiveness cannot come from blindness to what happened either. Blindness or suppression. Repression happens on the unconscious level. Suppression is purposely. It's done on the conscious level. Many wrongly believe that if they forgive, then what they are doing is that they're excusing what happened to them, that sinful act that occurred to them. But that's wrong. I want to clarify something. I'm talking about a willful blindness. I'm talking about willfully suppressing uh, that fact. Suppression is a conscious choice to pretend that that sin never happened to that person. A conscious choice to pretend that something never happened. Repression is on the unconscious level, involuntarily, but suppression is conscious. You purposely pretend that it didn't happen. The problem with both of these, whether it's on the unconscious, involuntary, or the conscious voluntary, both of them will lead to psychological damage. Why? Because in both cases, they cause us to delay in coming to terms with our own responsibility to forgive. The one who's been hurt 
but pretends that the incident never happened, what's going to happen? Over time, they're eventually going to explode in rage. All that pent-up rage that they've been suppressing. And then what's going to happen? They, in turn, are going to be an offender. All because they weren't being true to the pain that the offense has caused. Whether it's voluntary or involuntary, we can't pretend that it never happened. Amen? What else is complete forgiveness not? It's also not forgetting what happened. How many have heard forgive and forget, right? Everybody's heard that term that we're supposed to forgive and forget. Well, I want to tell you right now that that is impossible. Amen? Let's just get that out there and understand it. I understand the phrase, what the phrase is trying to say, but it's absolutely not realistic. It's impossible. Love, you know, the love of Christ in our heart, having mercy in our heart, does not erase our memory, does it? Absolutely not. Plain and simple. We have to understand when we choose to forgive and we are fully aware of what happened, we show a much deeper grace, don't we? <clears throat> we actually show a much deeper mercy. When we fully acknowledge, when we're fully aware of how horrible that sin was against us, and yet we still forgive, it's at that point that we're showing godly forgiveness. Amen. We're showing godly forgiveness, God's grace. In fact, even God does not literally forget our sins. Amen. We need to understand that. God simply chooses not to remember. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 8. There's a difference between forgetting and choosing not to remember. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds... I will choose to remember no more. You see, God knows full well all the sins that we've done. Amen? He knows exactly all those horrible and awful dark details. But he chooses not to remember them so as not to hold them against us. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? And that's exactly what we have to do with one another. We may not be able to forget, but we have to choose not to remember. Amen? Complete forgiveness is also not refusing to take the wrong seriously. Amen? We cannot truly forgive until we clearly understand just how serious that offense was against us or against that one we love. Many wrongly believe that we have to, you know, minimize how serious that wrong was in order to forgive. That's not correct. Amen? All this does is avoid the problem. And it's not forgiveness. 
well, you know, it wasn't that bad. What they did wasn't that bad. That's not what we should do. Amen? We should never minimize what was done to us. Amen? All that does is avoid the problem, and it's not forgiveness. Again, how much greater is it to fully acknowledge how serious that sin was against us, and yet still forgive that person? Amen? This is exactly what God does for us. There is no sin too great for God to forgive. Amen? And he knows exactly, exactly how horrible and what we've done, those horrible things that we've done. He knows exactly the extent of how we did it. And he never says, well, you know, that wasn't so bad. I'll just, you know, kind of wash that one away, does he? How do we know God never does that? Because Jesus had to suffer and he had to die for our sins to show us just how serious sin is. Amen? Plain and simple. So complete forgiveness, just to kind of summarize everything as we look to the last point. Complete forgiveness is not approval of what someone did to us or to someone that we love. It's not excusing what they did. It's not justifying what they did. It's not pardoning what they did. Complete forgiveness is not reconciliation. It's not denying what they did. It's not repressing. It's not, you know, uh, uh, denying what they did. It's not blindness or suppression of what they did. It's not forgetting what they did. It's not refusing to take what they did seriously. And finally, it's also not pretending that we were not hurt. We get pretty good at that, don't we? Pretending that we were not hurt. Because in the end, it's not realistic either. It's not possible for us to continue to act as if we were never hurt. What are we doing in reality? We're just lying to ourselves and everyone else around us, aren't we? 1 Samuel, chapter 13. The Bible calls, or God calls David a man after his own heart. That was even after David had sinned repeatedly against God. He still called David a man after his own heart. But, God also let David know how much he was grieved over David's sins of adultery and murder. What didn't he? He let David fully know that he hurt, that those sins hurt him. He was grieved in his spirit. God never pretends that he isn't hurt by sin, and neither should we. Amen? The Bible clearly illustrates just how much pain and suffering Jesus went through. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. You know, we read throughout the Gospels how Jesus was beaten, and he was uh, beaten with the cat of nine tails, and he was struck in the face repeatedly, and those crowns of thorns were, were uh, uh, just slammed through his head. 
And then we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen to this. Who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus suffered unimaginable, unimaginable pain. More than all of us will ever go through. The stuff he suffered and yet, it says here, he endured the cross. He endured that crucifixion. And he scorned the shame rather than deny it. Amen? And he was still able to pray, Father, forgive them. Amen. That is the forgiveness. That is the heart that we need to have. It's not easy. And as I said last week, I'm the first to struggle with it. Amen. But this is the type of forgiveness that God intends. This is the forgiveness that he offers to us. And in return, we have to offer to one another. Father, forgive them. 